You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we are going to talk about how to heal from infidelity or betrayal. How to heal is one of those things that I get asked all the time. People always say, I want to heal. (laughs) I want to get over this. I want to start feeling good, but how, how do I do it? Let me start by saying, you don't do it by just getting over it. That I think is the number one mistake that I want to address. That's the number one bit of false thinking or false information. You don't just forgive, forget and move on. You don't just forget it and put on a happy face. It is not about forgiveness. Forgiveness is an important piece of any kind of betrayal or wrongdoing, but the way to heal is not through forgiveness. And I know that might seem like, oh, I don't really know. But trust me on this one, and let me walk you through why forgiveness is not the way to go, at least right at front. Yes, forgiveness is an important part of healing, but it is not the most important first step, and it is not how you heal from infidelity or betrayal. The number one thing that you need to do if you want to truly heal on all levels, physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, is take your time. Now, if you're anything like me, as soon as you were able to pick yourself up off the floor, or maybe while you were still on the floor, you had this thought, I just want to get through this. I just want my life to be back to normal. I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to remember this. And I just want to be on the other side of this journey. Well, you're not alone if you think that, because that is exactly what I thought too. However, a betrayal is a really deep wound. And it takes time to heal. Just like you can't force a broken bone to heal more quickly, or you can't force a deep gash to heal quickly, you cannot force an emotional psychological or energetic wound to heal instantaneously. Now, that being said, there are things that you can do that can keep the process moving ahead. And we're going to explore some of those things today. But I think the number one tip, the number one way to heal fully from infidelity or betrayal is to not rush the process to simply allow, allow your feelings to come up. Allow grief, rage, confusion, determination, joy, relief, whatever it is, allow all of those feelings to come up and allow yourself to feel them without a timetable. Now, You've probably heard about the stages of grief 
And it's wonderful. If you don't know anything about them, I'm going to link, link them below, but you can also just go search them out on your own. They're amazing. When you have been hurt, when you are in grief, you move through the stages of grief. However, they are not linear. It's not like you go through step one, step two, step three, steps four. They kind of flow in and out. And sometimes you're experiencing them all at the same time. And then sometimes you move through something and you jump forward and then you move back and catch something up. It's a process. And the number one thing to realize is that you cannot rush this process. Now, practically speaking, I also do not want you to rush making decisions. The reason we want to make decisions so quickly, kick somebody out, move on, fire someone, quit our job, send off a flaming email, is we want certainty because we want to move on. We want to burn bridges. We want to have something finalized so we can feel like we're in control once again. Because really, what happens when we're betrayed is we lose control. So remember, making decisions is good. Rushing to make decisions just so you can move on is bad. If this is an intimate partner betrayal, things like, do I want a divorce? Do we want to stay together? What about the kids? What about our families? If this is a career betrayal or a health betrayal, there's a lot of decisions that come up as well. There is no rush in making those decisions. You, as the betrayed partner, as the betrayed person, actually have every right right now to take as much time and space as you need. You hold all the cards. Take your time, feel your feelings, think your thoughts. Imagine, visualize, pretend what the future might hold. Sit with a decision that you make in your head, in your heart. For as long as you need to sit with it before communicating it to anybody else. Now, if you're also anything like me and the people that I work with, you're going to be saying, yes, you're right. That totally makes sense. I don't need to be rushed. I need to take time. And then you start processing and then you start thinking and then you start deciding and you're hit with this realization. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I want. Sure, I can take all the time in the world to make a decision, but I don't even know what I want. So how can I even figure this out? Because what I really, really, really want is not to be in this situation. What I really want is for this not to have happened. And what I say is yes. Oh, yes, I hear you. I feel you. And that's what I wanted too. But what you really need, the second step, the second step in healing from infidelity and betrayal. First, it's taking all the time you need to feel and decide. Number two, it's to decide what you want. And let's, let's take a deep dive on that. If you don't know what you want, and I'm saying you've got to decide what you want, and you're saying, but I don't know what I want, and I'm saying, I hear you, nobody else does. While that may feel confusing, I want you to think about it like this. Why don't you know what you want? Why don't you know? It's my guess that the answer is because you've never really been asked. You've never really had this blank slate opportunity before. Before you were a kid, you were somebody's daughter. You had expectations to live up to. You were somebody's student. You were somebody's sibling. 
You knew what you were supposed to do. Your culture expected something of you. Your family expected something of you. So are you making decisions? Well, yes, sort of, but not really. You really don't have a blank slate. Have you been married? Have you been employed? If so, you're not really making decisions either. You're constantly navigating. What does my partner want? What do my friends want? What does my employer want? What do my kids want? How do I balance being a wife, being a mom, being an employer, being a friend, being a sister, being a cousin, being a neighbor, being this and being that? Most of us truly have never been asked what we want. And most of us have never had this blank slate opportunity where we have the chance to really decide, to really figure it out. And oh my gosh, what a beautiful opportunity that is. Sit with that for a moment. Sit with that. Yes, you have some baggage, of course. But this is a gift. This is an opportunity for you to really have a fresh start. It's been done for you. That's truly one of the gifts of betrayal is it's already been done for you. If you've been listening to my show for a while, you know that I use the concepts of burlesque in everything that I do. I want you to think about this moment, this blank slate moment, is that moment of being stripped, being stripped, you're back in your underwear, in your foundation garments, whatever it is, you're naked. Now is your chance to figure out what it is you want to start putting on. When you're a kid, your parents stress you. As you get older, People tell you, you're not going to go out of the house looking like that. Once you become an adult, you have a dress code at work, in society, and wherever. Now is your chance. You have been stripped naked. Now you get to decide what you put on. And oh my gosh, while that freedom can be intoxicating, it can also be intimidating. Why? Because it's a lot. Because you think, ooh, am I going to make a mistake? Yeah, you're going to make a mistake. I've made them. I've had plenty of people make them. We all make them. Think about the person that betrayed you. Is your mistake going to be anywhere near as big as their mistake? (laughs) Heck no. So what are you afraid of? Decide what you want. Mess up that decision. Who cares if you have a what not to wear moment? Strip down and start again. Which will inevitably lead to the next question. Who am I? Step one in how to heal from infidelity or betrayal is to take all the time you need. Step two is to figure out what you want. It's taking that strip down blank state moment. And then step three is reclaiming yourself. It's figuring out who you are, exclusive of your labels, your rules, your scripts, your identity. And just like when you're figuring out what you want to do, it can be intimidating and intoxicating trying to figure out who you are. So let's start here. Let's talk about core values. Who are you in your core? Now, again, if you're anything like most of the people that I work with, it's so easy to default to religious beliefs, family beliefs, cultural beliefs. Oh, I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other thing. No, 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 no. Go deeper. Who are you? Why do you 
value what you value? Is it really about love and service? Is it really about self-growth? Is it really about community? What are your core values? Is success a core value? Is excellence a core value? Or are they remnants of your programming? Because your family valued success. Because our culture rewards success. Our culture rewards being stressed out, working too hard, earning money, putting profits over people. Our culture rewards that. Our society rewards that. What about you? What are your core values? And again, going back to step one, take the time you need to figure it out. I have looped through so many different layers of this in my infidelity recovery journey. But when I finally spiraled back around to figuring out, you know what? I am a positive, happy person. I value connection. And it's really important for me to do the right thing as I perceive. That's when I really found my footing again. You see, for a while, I was really hurt. And I would think things like, do I want revenge? And how can I make somebody else suffer? And then I would have stories in my head around, oh, well, if if I'm doing this and saying this, people will feel sorry for me. And then they're going to see that I'm really the good person and that my spouse is really the bad person, blah, 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 blah. But they were all stories. They were all weird stories in my head with a prescribed outcome. And when I really got real, I saw that that was manipulation. That was me trying to manipulate an outcome, a situation, a belief. And I am not a manipulator. I value honesty and I value truth and I value kindness. And I value happiness and positivity and feeling energetic. And that helped me heal because I knew what I wanted. And when I knew what I wanted, I knew what I didn't want. And I knew I didn't want to get tangled in and mired down and more worried about other people and making them pay or making them suffer than I was worrying about myself. And that is such an important step in how to heal from infidelity and betrayal. Taking that time, processing on all levels, deciding what you want. You are writing the script. Or in my terms, you are creating the choreography. And then deciding, reminding yourself of who you are, reclaiming your core. How do you want to be? What do you want out of your life is more of a doing thing. But reclaiming yourself is more of a being thing. I did not want to be a martyr anymore. As a mom, as a wife whose husband traveled extensively for work, I kind of played that role, the martyr role, the self-sacrificing, always on mother and wife. I didn't like that role. That role wasn't me. And somehow I got stuck in it. Sure, I had my coaching career. Sure, I was doing fitness training. Sure, I was doing all these other things. But there was a part of me that had really slid into the long-suffering wife and mom role. 
And that's not me. That's a kind of a drain, a kind of a negativity that is not my core, was not my core, and never was my core. And it was really tough to look in the mirror and to realize, wow, sometimes I changed my behavior and was kind of weird (laughs) in service of that role. Sometimes I would shut myself down, dim my light, not allow myself to do things because it wasn't what a mom should do. It wasn't what a wife should do because it wasn't responsible. Because if I didn't do it, who would? Blah, 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 blah. Who do you want to be? How do you want to be? Go back to your core. I want to be happy. I want to be wild and free. I want to enjoy every moment of this beautiful life, even when it's not a beautiful life, because that is the core of who I am. And reclaiming that, reclaiming myself was a huge step in truly healing from infidelity and betrayal. And once you do that too, you are unstoppable. I promise. The next step in how to heal from infidelity and betrayal is to be brutally honest with yourself and ideally with others too, but most importantly, to be brutally honest with yourself. Ah, Take a deep breath and sit with that one for a moment. Because you might be thinking, Laura, I'm always honest with myself. Why would I be anything but honest with myself? And let me push back and challenge you on that a little bit. Have you ever questioned if you wanted to be married? Have you ever, after having kids, thought, God, do I even want to be a mom at this point? I don't even feel like I like my kids right now. Those are some of those deep, thoughts that we all have. Can I tell you how many women that I work with say with tears in their eyes, there were moments where I prayed for my husband's death. That's how miserable I felt. That's okay. That is an honest emotion and that is an okay thing to feel. Praying for your husband's death because you hate him so bad in the moment. No, that's not good. But that's not bad either. It just is. And it's honest and it sucks. But it's also something that everybody thinks. I don't care if it's your boss or your kids or your spouse or whatever. We've all had those moments where we think something really horrible. Because we're hurt. Because we can't see a way out. Because we want to strike out and we can't manage our own emotions because we don't really know what they are. And that's okay. So getting back to that brutally honest piece, when I talk about taking your time, that means being brutally honest. I need more time. I can't make a decision like that right now. I might want to divorce you And I might want to divorce you tomorrow and I might work things out and decide to divorce you in three years. Say that to yourself. Be brutally honest with yourself. It's okay. Just because you're committing to work it out right now doesn't mean you're committing to working it out forever. Just because you've moved out right now and you're like, no way forever doesn't mean that it's no way forever. If you are missing your partner, be honest. If you're hating your partner, be honest. I'm not telling you to blast it out on social media and do something that you can't take back, hence the taking your time. 
But I am telling you that if you want to heal from infidelity and betrayal, you have to be brutally honest with yourself and you have to be able to say things like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to stay married. I don't know if I can heal from this. I don't know if I can forgive it or accept it. I don't know that. I don't know that right now. And I don't know when I'm going to know it. And it's important to be brutally honest too and say things like, I'm feeling really good right now. And I'm going to go enjoy it. And it's okay. I don't have to sit here in a place of misery. It's whatever event or it's a beautiful day. And I'm going to go enjoy it fully because this day isn't going to happen again. Be brutally honest with yourself and your needs and your wants and your desires. Again, it goes back to that blank slate. Betrayal was a gift because it stripped you of everything, your dignity, your self-worth, your past, your expectations. And now you have a choice. You got to choose what you want to do, who, how you want to be, and how you want to express to yourself. And now is that time. If you are thinking about contemplating, wondering if your marriage can be saved, yes, it can. But only if you are brutally honest. Of course, it depends on your spouse's willingness to heal to make amends, and to be brutally honest as well. But before you can expect anybody else to do any of that, you've got to dig deep and do it for yourself. Because how many times in in, in other situations have you thought I want so-and-so to do this and I want them to do this and da, 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 da. And you just like go around in your head thinking, I know so much and why, why are other people being so silly and why don't they get it and blah, 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 blah. And you're just directing the show and you're wanting to tell people what to do and it all seems so simple. You've got to be brutally honest with you. What are you doing in those situations? Which leads to my last step. And that last step is focus on you. Focus on yourself. We're going to take a few minutes break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about focusing on yourself. We're going to talk about doing couples counseling, but keeping the spotlight on you. Because looping back to that first step, taking your time, and that second step, figuring out what you want, not what your partner wants, not what your parents want, not what your kids want, not what your community wants, but what you want. Figuring out who you are and reclaiming how you want to be and feel. Moving into that honesty, that all requires you to focus exclusively on you. And oh my gosh, there's a lot to unpack there because a lot of it has to do with trust, your ability to trust yourself because you can't trust other people until you trust yourself. There's a lot there. So. We'll take a few minutes break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about keeping the spotlight on you, not on other people and doing the work. So we'll be back. Do you feel betrayed by life, your body, or by someone that you love? You are not alone and you are not weak or overly emotional for feeling the way that you do. Betrayal is one of the most overwhelmingly painful experiences to navigate because it strikes at the core of who you are and what you are worth. 
No matter how gutted you feel, there is hope. You can flourish, not in spite of your experience, but because of it, I know. After 23 years of marriage, my world was shattered when I found out that my husband had been cheating on me with five different women for 15 years. I lost everything that day, my identity, my worth, and the future I had worked so hard to create. While it was a long and arduous journey back to myself, today I know who I am, what I want, and I am happier and more confident than I ever was before. I've got what I call naked self-worth, which is the ability to see, know, and love yourself for who you are, not for what you accomplished or for who you are in relation to others. No matter what has shattered your heart, if you're ready to get clear on who you are, what you want, and to learn how good life really can be, then life choreography is for you. Even if you feel too old or are too busy because you have kids at home and you're in charge of everything. Life Choreography is a comprehensive five-month, five-step program that empowers you to strip out of your labels, roles, and scripts and to reveal yourself as you are, not as you think you should be. To learn more, go to nakedselfworth.com and download your free guide that shows you how to untangle yourself from the past, reclaim your sexy, and start re-choreographing life on your own terms so you can love and be loved for exactly who you most authentically are. And we are back with the top five steps on how to heal from infidelity and betrayal. We all want to heal, but we need specific steps. You need a roadmap. You can't just randomly go at it and be like, oh, I'm going to do a little bit here and I'm going to do a little bit there and da-da-da-da-da. You have to follow the steps. You have to do these five things if you really want to heal and you kind of need to do them in this order. The first step to recap is taking all the time you need. Even though we want to heal quickly, even though we want this whole mess behind us, we can't. You got to take time. At least a year. Now, pick yourself up off the floor. (laughs) But just like with any major trauma, that first year is the most difficult. And with something like this, Because the truth doesn't usually come out, bam, in one fell swoop, it typically takes about 18 months because that gives time for that trickle truth to come out and for you to start assimilating and figuring it out. So usually it's like 18 months before you're even at go time. So give yourself time, roll with it. And what's really important is to realize that this healing time does not have to be miserable time. This healing time, you can still enjoy. Just take time. Make no decisions. You hold all the cards. Enjoy the journey. The second step is figuring out what you want. Deciding what you want. This is your life. You get one life. How are you going to live it? Up until this point, you have probably fulfilled a lot of expectations that were placed upon you. But now, even though it's awful and miserable, and you wish this hadn't have happened, it's kind of a blessing too. Because suddenly now it's all about you, and you get to decide, you get to write the script. You get to choreograph the dance. You get to paint the picture. Take all that time you need and figure out what it is you want. And number three, reclaim who you are. Get back in touch with your core. With how you want to feel and be and move through life. I wanted to move through life with energy and enthusiasm and joy. I did not want to move through life 
as a martyr or a witch. I just didn't. I wanted to move through life feeling good and feeling positive. Decide that for yourself. You can move through life being however you want to be. It's up to you. And that fourth step is being brutally honest. Because unless you're brutally honest with yourself and what you really want, I mean, if your partner is saying, I really want to work through this and I made a mistake and blah, 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 blah. And you're thinking, I really shouldn't give him a second chance, but I don't want to acknowledge that. If you don't want to, you don't have to, but you do have to be honest with yourself because otherwise how much time and space and energy and money are you going to waste going down a path that is not even the path you want to go down? Be honest with yourself. And when you're speaking your truth, it might be kind of hard for other people to hear, but that is okay because you are standing up for you. Which takes us right into that last step about keeping the spotlight on you. Now, it is my personal belief that coaching or counseling is an absolute must. I think it's great if you can read books and blog posts and things online and all of that stuff. But I am a firm believer that we have got to be in touch with somebody who is a neutral third party who can hear us and see us as we really are, who is outside of our situation, who doesn't know us, who doesn't have any personal investment, whether we are together or apart or going back to work or moving or anything like that. You need a coach. You need a counselor. You need somebody trained in betrayal recovery to give you insight and to hold your hand and hold you accountable. Because otherwise it is so easy to just be like, I give up, whatever. Somebody else write the script. Just tell me what to do. I am so tired of trying this hard. And when you're working with a coach or a counselor or a pastor or whoever, you absolutely must keep the spotlight on you. You do your work, your spouse, your partner does their own work. Oh my gosh, four years. Let me tell you, four years. I'm not joking, four years. (laughs) When my husband and I would read a relationship book, Five Languages of Love, Getting the Love You Want, Relationship Rescue, all of those great books, Honeymoon Effect, guess what I did? I would see him in the pages. I would fold down pages for him. I would say, look at what you need to work on, honey. And I would take some nuggets and I'd be like, yep, I can listen to him in that way. Mm -hmm. Yep, Mars, Venus, I get it. Honey, you should do this. Honey, you should do this. Honey, you should do that. That's a human nature thing. We see other people more clearly than we see ourselves. I'm going to say that again. We see other people more clearly than we see ourselves. And because we care about these other people, we want to help them, right? You should eat this. You should do this. You should take this. You should whatever. We're just being helpful and kind and loving and wonderful human beings when we do that, right? Wrongo. Guess what we're actually really doing? We're actually deflecting. We're deflecting. We're taking all of that energy that we could use for our own self-growth, for our own aha moments to facilitate change within ourselves. And we're wasting it on other people because guess what? How often do you take people's advice? Not that often. So often we're like, "Uh aha, yeah, mm -hmm, great, thanks. And then we move on. Even if it strikes us as true, unless we're seeking that information, we're actively ready to take action and change. We don't do it. So the value that you're giving other people really isn't being received. And the value other people are giving to you really isn't being received either. And you know, that's true. And that's part of that brutal honesty, isn't it? Yes, it is. So when you're reading books, you can understand 
another person for your benefit. But make the books about you. Make the blog posts about you. And oh my gosh, I get how you get so tangled up in that because I would get tangled up in that too. Why don't I need to do that? He's the one that cheated. He's the one with a problem. He's the one with attachment issues. He's the one with vulnerabilities. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. He should do this. Yes. But that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to understand for me. My responsibility is to create the story and the path and the understanding for me. Oh, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? Because again, we see other people more clearly than we see ourselves. But when we keep the spotlight on us, when we can hold space for another person and be like, yeah, I'm curious about your learning. I'm curious about your aha moments and takeaways, but I don't have a part in it. I release my attachment to it. When that happens, we actually allow the other person to heal more quickly. Think about it this way. When another person is more attached to the outcome than you are, you can kind of relax and let it go because they've got it covered. That's why the person who is the neat freak in the relationship ends up doing most of the cleaning because it matters most to them. And then they can complain that the other person isn't pulling their weight. But it's really because they're taking the focus off of them. I want a clean environment and I'm going to do it. And then they're shifting it around to what the other person isn't doing. And then the other person who isn't doing as much has really no reason to change because it's all getting done anyway. And because it doesn't really matter to them anyway, because the need freak cares more. So if you really want your partner to change, the best thing you can do is release attachment to change. And oh boy, does that feel counterintuitive. The best thing you can do to get your partner to change is to heal yourself. Now, I can hear you say, heal myself. (laughs) I didn't cheat. There was nothing wrong with me. You're right. You didn't cheat. You didn't do anything wrong. And since this has happened, you have an opportunity. We all have bad habits that we slipped into. Like I said, I slipped into that habit of playing the martyr, of being the self-sacrificing wife and mom. That's not me. That's why you've got to do these steps in order. So I took this opportunity to work on me. Why am I feeling like I have to prove something by showing how hard I'm working and how put upon I am? Why do I need to do that? Because that's not me. It's not my personality. It's not who I want to be. Now is my chance to work on that. Now is my chance to look at my own beliefs around love, around women, around wives, around moms. Now's my chance to figure me out. Not in regards to the relationship, but just in regards to me as a human. And wow, I'm learning some cool things. Oh, ooh, look, I do have some funny little hangups here and there. And oh, I do have some funny little beliefs here and there. And whoa, I never realized how bad that scarred me. Wow, check it out. And because I was brutally honest and I kept the spotlight on me. I was able to learn and grow and have a lot of great aha moments and to facilitate a lot of change. That created a lot of forward motion in my business, in my life, with my friends, with my family, with my health, with my body. 
because I kept the spotlight on me. And guess what? My husband was then empowered to own his own healing because I wasn't doing it for him. Because for the last 23 years, I had done everything else for him. So why wouldn't I just own his healing too? But suddenly, nope, it's up to you. You can do your own healing. I will do my own healing. Whereas if I would have owned his healing, if I would have continued to point things out and to tell him what he should do, he would have had no responsibility, no reason to move forward. His aha moments would have been much less impactful or meaningful. And quite frankly, it might have been easier for him just to bail on the whole relationship because who really cares anyway? It's demeaning when we take on another person's healing. It's disrespectful when we take on another person's healing. Ouch, do you feel that? When I started realizing how disrespectful I was every time I took on my kids' problems or my husband's problems, my friends' problems, it kind of hurt because I was like, but I was just being nice, but I was just trying, but I'm the one with the extra time and space and the knowledge and the know-how, blah, 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 blah. I was just being good. No, 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 no. I know we don't think we're being arrogant and rude and disrespectful. We are. That's hard, isn't it? (laughs) I think that was the hardest for me. And like I said at the beginning, it is a journey and I still mess up. (sighs) I teach this stuff and I still mess up. I live and breathe this stuff and I still mess up. I will still read a book and think, ooh, he needs to know this, and this is what she needs to do, and if only that, and then, sure, I'll I'll mark it or fold down the page, but I'm not really going to share it. I am to the point now where at least I will pause before I offer up information. And then, if I really feel that it's important enough to offer something, I'm very clear that I am offering something for me, not for you, not for you to fix. It's not about, because that's taking the spotlight off of me and putting it on you. It's about me. I want to offer to share with you something that I've learned because it impacts me this way. I am offering to share with you something that I've learned because of the way it impacts me. It's a totally different conversation that way. Because that way I am owning my feelings. I am owning my experience. I am owning the way I communicate to another person. Let me give you a little example of that because it's a lot to take on. Recently, I was rereading a few books on infidelity recovery. And the reason I reread the books is because I see things differently every single time because I'm in a different place every single time. And I've healed in different ways and my husband has healed in different ways. And as a couple, We have healed in different ways. And we were actually sitting on the airplane and I was reading and I came across some stuff that I really thought was relevant for him. And I turned to him and I opened my mouth and I went to be like, ah, (laughs) and then I thought, "Uh, uh, 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 what am I trying to do here? That puts me in the one-up position. That puts him in the one-down position. That puts him in the you-need-to-do-this-if-you-want-to-satisfy-me position. That puts me in that martyr position again. My husband never does what I want him to do. All he needs to do is, and he just doesn't cooperate. 
Oh, and I just kind of sat and I breathed and I decided to feel, to feel where it was that I felt that discomfort and to see if I could name it. And what it was that I had read, it was a section in the book, um, Not Just Friends. And it was talking about post-affair when you run into an affair partner and what the person who cheated does when they see their former affair partner. And the example was a woman, the example in the book was a woman who had cheated and her affair partner went walking by here in the airport and they made eye contact and she was flustered. And she said, hi, how are you? Kind of out of just a reaction, out of instinct. And then her affair partner said, you know, great to see you. Fine. How are you? And she said, great. I need, I'm on my way to catch a flight. And that was the end of the interaction. Versus a man, an example in the book where the man had cheated. He was sitting next to his wife and the affair partner walked by. Instead of making eye contact with the affair partner, he turned his attention to his wife, put his arm around her, and just brought her in a little bit closer and continued an in-depth conversation with her to communicate to the affair partner, I'm not looking at you. I am talking to my wife. I'm fully engaged in this conversation and we are committed. And what I wanted to do was turn to my husband and say, read this, read this. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be tempted to say hello? I mean, I, I fall into that trap. Sometimes I see somebody and they say hello and I just make eye contact and then I don't know what, blah, blah, blah. and I wanted to have this whole weird neurotic conversation around it, which wouldn't have gone well because it wasn't about him and what he would do. It was really about me and my own insecurity. So I sat with it for a bit and I nailed it. Yeah, it's insecurity. It's my insecurity. It's my fear that he would say, oh, hi, how are you? And that he would be nice because he's a nice person. And that he too, like in the story, in the story would be caught off guard and would just say something. And that I would be hurt. And then that, that would bring up a lot of insecurity within me. And then I would start feeling bad. And then I would question everything. And as I sat with that, I started realizing, oh my gosh, I'm projecting a whole lot into the future, <laughs> all based on my own insecurity and fear around a situation that hasn't even happened. And it may or may not happen. And I had to get really clear then about is there something that I want to communicate around this? And if so, what? So it took a lot of time, figured out what it was I was feeling, why I was feeling that way, what was really happening in my mind. And after all of that, I did have a conversation with him. And I said, I was reading this book and here's the example. And it's the example that I just shared. And it brought up a lot in me. It brought up a lot of fear. It brought up a lot of insecurity. It brought, a lot, brought up a lot of what if. And it started my mind twirling and being in fear. And I just wanted to share the experience that I had because it wasn't really comfortable. And I feel better. And I understand that insecurity is a normal part of life. And I understand the post-betrayal. I'll be triggered, <laughs> but I just wanted to share that experience that I had. And that's it. I didn't say, and what will you do? And this is what I want you to do. And this is what I expect you to do. I didn't go there. I shared my experience for me because it's about me and it's about you. Whatever experience you have is about you too. And you know what happened? He listened. And he nodded <laughs> and he thought and he processed and he took some time. And a little bit later that night, he shared what happened for him in his body. 
And he shared his desire to be nice to people too. And he shared about his kind of knee-jerk reaction when you see people, even people you don't really want to see again, how it is hard sometimes to turn your eyes instead of just being like, oh, hi, how are you? And just say those things that have been culturally conditioned. And he acknowledged that he understood why that would bring up insecurity and fear in me. And we had a great conversation around it. And now it's in his mind and it's in his heart that he gets to choose what feels good for him. And then he told me what would feel good for him. Walking away. He said he would really like to walk away if he sees somebody. That no matter where he's going or what he's doing, it would make him feel best on the inside to literally just turn and walk away and to not even have that confrontation, have that experience because he doesn't want to know. He doesn't want to put himself through that. He doesn't want to put me through that. He doesn't want to put them through that. And it was a beautiful connecting heart-centered moment because we both shared where we were at and what we were feeling and what we were hoping. And then poof, we let it go because it's easy. So that's why these steps really need to be taken in order if you really truly want to heal, not get over, but heal from infidelity and betrayal. If you've got questions, please reach out to me. And no matter what, hop online right now. Go to nakedselfworth.com and download your free Sparkle After Betrayal Recovery Guide. Like these steps, it's a guide that will guide you into recovering into sparkling after betrayal so you can live your best life, so you can reclaim your identity and self-worth, so you can embrace the sexy joyfulness of living, and so you can really create a life that brings you joy and satisfaction on your own terms, regardless of what anybody says or does or doesn't do or believes nakedselfworth.com free sparkle after betrayal recovery guide. You will love it. And just to recap these five steps, because they're really important. Number one, take all the time you need and do not apologize for that. Don't rush yourself and don't let anybody rush you. 18 months minimum. Luxuriate in your recovery. You deserve it. Oh my gosh, you deserve to luxuriate in your recovery. Number two, decide what you want. Lean into that. This is a Blake slate. Start creating. Number three, reclaim who you are, how you want to feel and be your core values, how you want to experience life. Because I want to experience it with a lot of fun and joy. I don't want to experience in a stressed out, resentful way. But you do you. If you want to be resentful, by all means, go be resentful. It's just not for me. Be brutally honest with yourself. You don't have to share it with everybody quite yet. But always be brutally honest with yourself. And sit with that honesty for as long as you need to sit with it to figure things out. And then the fifth step, coaching or counseling or outside help is a must. But when you're doing that work, when you're reading books, when you're doing podcasts, when you're doing hypnosis or coaching or clients or whatever it is, keep the spotlight on you. Own your experience. Claim your experience. This is your healing. It's not anybody else's. Get your fingers out of their pie. You do you. Even if you've done nothing wrong, which I know you have done nothing wrong. But still heal anyway. There's something to heal from. If nothing else, there's the wound of betrayal to heal from. And let's get real. You didn't cause the betrayal. I know that. I know that. 
But unless your marriage was perfect, there's things to work on. Communication skills, whatever. I don't know about you. I certainly didn't have a perfect marriage. I thought it was pretty darn good. But yeah, we had problems. You do you. Be honest about what it is. Keep the spotlight on you. Get out of other people's businesses. Own your own emotions and feelings and thoughts and quit attaching to other people's healings. It's disrespectful. And and it inhibits their ability to heal. NakedSelfWorth.com, download your free Sparkle After Betrayal Recovery Guide. And I cannot wait to see you next week. NakedSelfWorth.com, have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt everything that you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.